Because man must not live on bread alone, please open your Bibles to Psalm 3. We must live by every word that comes from the mouth of God, according to Jesus, and Deuteronomy, according to Moses. So let's turn to Psalm 3 now and hear God speak to us this morning. We're going to do Psalm 3 this week, and then in two weeks we'll do Psalm 4, and then we're going to jump into our new series in the Old Testament, but two Psalms here in between series. Psalm 3. If you don't have a Bible, there's a black hardcover Bible in the chair in front of you or under you. You can turn to page 472 to Psalm 3. 3 is the big number and the small numbers are the verse numbers. Hear God's word from Psalm 3. A psalm of David when he fled from his son, Absalom. Lord, when it's capital L-O-R-D, that's Yahweh. Yahweh, how my foes increase. There are many who attack me. Many say about me, there is no help for him in God, or there is no salvation for him in God. Selah. But, but you, Lord, You, Yahweh, are a shield around me, my glory, and the one who lifts up my head. I cry out to Yahweh, and he answers me from his holy mountain, Selah. I lie down and sleep. I wake again because Yahweh sustains me. I will not be afraid of thousands of people who have taken their stand against me on every side. Rise up, Yahweh. Save me, my God, you strike all the, for you strike all my enemies on the cheek. You break the teeth of the wicked. Salvation belongs to Yahweh. May your blessings be on your people. Selah. This is the word of the Lord. May the word of Christ dwell richly among us. Father, this is our prayer, that your word would dwell richly among us, that you would fill us with your spirit, write your word on our heart. Lord, we live by your words. Your words give us life. You cause us to be born again by your word, and now we know that faith comes by the word preached, by the word read, by the word heard, by the word preached. So Father, do the supernatural, powerful thing that we can't do on our own. Grow us in faith. Grow us in repentance, grow us in joy, grow us in confidence, grow us in boldness. Weaken sin, soften our hearts, show us your glory, and change us today forever. We need you for this, Father. I need you for this to preach. We all need this from you to hear. So come now and help us. We are desperate for you. In Jesus' name, amen. How do you move forward trusting God in troubled times? Notice not verse 1, it should be verse 1, but verse 0, I guess, of Psalm 3. A Psalm of David when he fled from his son Absalom. I wonder if you know this story. This story is in 2 Samuel chapter 15 through chapter 18. It's a story of David and his son Absalom. David had many sons, and one of his sons was Absalom. Absalom was in exile because he um, took vengeance 
like a vigilante. He took vengeance on his brother for a rape and killed his brother. And so David sent him away in exile, or he ran away actually in exile, and David left him there. David brought him back, and, and when he did bring him back um, to, to, to Jerusalem, he saw David once and never saw him again. And so Absalom, David's son, started to sit at the city gate of Jerusalem, get dressed, and then he would talk to all the people who are coming to see the king for a, a court ruling on their case. And he would talk bad about the king. Oh, the king doesn't have time for you. You know, if I was king, this is what I would do. And so he did this for four years, talking to people. People would bow down before him because he's the prince. He wouldn't take the bowing. He's like, no, don't bow. I'm, I'm a fellow brother like you. And he would, you know, sh shake their hands or hug them. And they would felt loved by Absalom. And it says in 2 Samuel 15 that Absalom stole the hearts of the people. And so after four years, Absalom plans a rebellion. He goes to a, a place for a feast, not too far from Jerusalem, with the king's blessing. He gathers people and he tells all messengers throughout the country that when the, when the um, trumpet sounds, I don't remember the, the name of the instrument, but when the trumpet sounds and they hear the horn to everyone to declare Absalom is king. And so Absalom does that. And David finds out from intelligence before the declaration that Absalom is going to declare himself king and all of the nation is following him. So David tells all of his people, get up right now. We need to leave right now. Pack your things, everyone, we're going. And so they leave the palace in Jerusalem and they start walking and hiking away to leave Jerusalem because Absalom's gonna come with an army and they're not ready and they don't have the power to fight against them, so David flees from his son. Imagine being usurped as the king. That's already traumatizing and um, difficult. But when it's your own son who wants to kill you and take your kingdom, that's really heartbreaking. And so David is fleeing, and this psalm is written when he fled from Absalom. As he fled or after he fled, he, he was heartbroken and burdened and discouraged and distraught. And he's, he's walking away. It even says that he walked barefoot as he walked up the hill um, across the Kidron Valley, up the hills, and over with as many people as he can take with him. And so this is David's prayer. Now, just like David, who had trouble, was in trouble times, we have troubles and challenges to our faith, don't we? We're, we're in difficult situations. Sure, maybe our child is not trying to kill us and take over our kingdom, like David, but we have difficult situations with family, with friends, with coworkers, not just with people, but difficult situations, our own health. We have difficulties within our own souls. We have difficulties with the situation around us. We live in a broken and cursed world. And we have even difficulties in, in spiritual realms, not only with God, but we can have difficulties with demons, demonic oppression, demonic influence, demonic attacks. We wrestle not only against flesh and blood, or not against flesh and blood, but against the spiritual principalities and powers in the heavenly places. And so all of these different pressures can, pre can press in on us, causing us to either procrastinate, give up, or lash out at others. When we feel these challenges, we might say, you know what, I'm just gonna give in to sinful, fleshly solutions. I can't take the pressure anymore. I need to do something else besides leaning into God and trusting God and moving forward in God. And so as we're pressed by these um, pressures and the pain that overwhelms us, we can, we can check out. We can give in. We can give up. The pain is overwhelming. The burden is too heavy on our shoulders. And the trial seems almighty. 
omnipotent. The good news is that we don't have to give up spiritually. We don't have to give in to sin. We don't have to give up in the pressures that we face. And David did not give up. David here helps us learn how to handle troubles, trials, and situations in our lives the way that he prays here. And so from David's prayer, we get some lessons here in prayer. So the main goal, because this is a psalm, I won't always do this with a psalm, but I'll give you the main goal here in a in a rhyme, in a couplet. When opposition weighs down on you, pray to God who will see you through. When opposition weighs down on you, pray to God who will see you through. You have opposition in your life. Pray to God who will see you through. And from this psalm, if you notice here in your CSB, there are the editor has done this. There's three, well, not the editor. There are three words that David wrote, Selah. We don't know what Selah means. Some people mean, think it means pause and ponder what's going on before you move on or an interlude in between in the music because these are songs. Others think it means it's a note to raise the volume of the instruments or the singing. We don't know. The bottom line is we don't know what it means. So I could tell you what I guess, but it's just a guess, so it really doesn't matter what I guess, okay? We don't know what it means, but it does... It does so happened in this, in this psalm that it, it has breaks here that are also the breaks of the psalm. So verses one and two, and then there's a break. Verses three and four, and then there's another salah that's a break. And then at the very end, there's a salah. But notice between six and seven in your CSB, there's also a break there. That's an editorial break, not, not one in the original Hebrew. But I think that's the right break, at least in terms of concept. So here you have four stanzas, two verses each. And so from this psalm, we get four lessons on prayer, okay? Four lessons on how to pray to God when, when you're weighed down by pressure. So again, the main goal, when opposition weighs down on you, pray to God who will see you through. Four lessons here in prayer. Number one, verses one and two, pray realistically. Pray realistically. Look at verse one. Lord, Yahweh, how my foes increase. There are many who attack me or many who rise up against me. David's foes here have increased during Absalom's rebellion, right? Four years of Absalom standing at the city gate, stealing the hearts of the people, and now you're a king in your palace, and then you realize that the whole nation has turned against you. It's not just your son. It's not just a few conspirators. The whole nation has turned against you. For four years, he has stolen the hearts of the people. Conspirators have been increasing. Even Ahithophel, if you know the story, Ahithophel is one of the advisors of David that when Ahithophel gave advice, it was like hearing advice straight from God. Whenever Ahithophel, he was so wise that whenever he gave advice, they always, kings and leaders always trusted Ahithophel's advice. Ahithophel was one of David's most trusted advisors and he chose Absalom, not David. David's foes, his enemies, are increasing. Not only that, if you read on in the story in 2 Samuel, when they take over Jerusalem, Ahithophel says to Absalom, Absalom, right now, we just came in, they're on the run, give me 12,000 soldiers right now and I'll kill David and it'll be done. 12,000 soldiers. Ahithophel has 12, I mean, he's asking Absalom for 12,000 soldiers because guess what, Absalom has... 12,000 soldiers right there in Jerusalem at his disposal the, you know, the day or the day after David just fled. That's a lot of enemies, right? That's not one enemy. That's not a few key enemies. 
Your, your whole nation that you've led is against you. So David says, God, my enemies increase. There are many who attack me. In verse two, many say about me, there is no help for him in God. The word there for help is Yeshua. The English name for Yeshua is what? Joshua, okay? Yeah, Jesus, if you're gonna use the Greek translation, but Yeshua means, uh, that's Joshua, and it means salvation. There is no Yeshua from God for him. There is no salvation for him in God. There's no help for him, no deliverance for him in God. They mock David's faith claim. David says, Yahweh is on my side. And guess what Israel says? Guess what the 12,000 say? Guess what Ahithophel says and Absalom says? No, David's not, Yahweh's not on your side, David. Yahweh is on our side. There is no salvation for you, David. You know why you're fleeing? Because Yahweh is against you. He's on our side. No salvation for you, David. Not from Yahweh, not from God. No deliverance, no safety. This is actually the judgment of God on you. That was their claim. They mocked David and his claim to, that God's on his side. Now, it is possible that some who have faith in God are sincerely mistaken. It's possible that David could think he's on God, God's side and he's not, like someone who believes in a false religion, a cult perhaps. Someone could say, oh, I'm on Jesus' side, and Jesus is not on your side. So it's true that David could be mistaken, but here it's not that David's mistaken, it's that these people are actually against God. They're actually mocking David's faith and God's word and promise to David. Now, if you have a Bible, keep your finger here in, second, in, Psalm, in Psalm 3, but turn to the left to 2 Samuel 16, if you would, to the left. You're gonna see Chronicles and keep going back to Kings and go back before Kings to Samuel. Go to 2 Samuel or 2 Samuel chapter 16. All right, 2 Samuel 16, you'll look at verse seven. As David is walking barefoot with his soldiers, he's going up the hill and Shimei, Shimei curses him. So look at verse seven. Shimei is um, a descendant from the house of Saul, the former king. In verse seven, Shimei said as he cursed, Get out, he's talking to David now. So he's mocking David as David's on the, on the run or fleeing and mourning. Get out, get out, you man of bloodshed, you wicked man. Yahweh has paid you back for all the blood of the house of Saul in whose place you became king. And Yahweh has handed the kingdom over to your son, Absalom. Look, you are in trouble because you're a man of bloodshed. You're a man of bloodshed. Who is Shimei saying that, who's against David? Not just Absalom, but who? God, Yahweh, the covenant-keeping God. He's against you. His favor is not on your side anymore. His face is not shining on you anymore. He's against you because, of, because you're a man of bloodshed. Let's read on just to get a little bit more of the feel of the story. Look at verse nine. Then Abishai, son of Zariah, said to the king, why should this dead dog curse my lord the king? Let me go over and remove his head. That's one way of solving the problem, right? You can tell him to be quiet, or you can take your sword and cut his head off, and that would keep him quiet. Abishai is one of David's greatest warriors and soldiers. What does the king say, though, in reply? Verse 10, the king replied, son of Zariah, do we agree on anything? He curses me this way because, because what? Yahweh told him, curse David. Therefore, who can say, why did you do that? Then David said to Abishai and all his servants, look, my own son, my own flesh and blood intends to take my life. How much more now this Benjaminite? Leave him alone and let him curse me. 
Yahweh has told him to. Perhaps Yahweh will see my affliction and restore goodness to me instead of Shimei's curses today. So David and his men proceeded along the road as Shimei was going along the ridge of the hill opposite him. As Shimei went, he cursed David, threw stones at him, and kicked up dust. Wow. There's the king walking, and this guy is kicking up dust at them, just following them, cursing him, mocking him, kicking up dust, and throwing stones at him. And David is not doing anything in response. Now, I read this to my kids last night. We read all, all four chapters just to get the story. And uh, they were saying, so David was just like getting hit in the head with, with stones. And I, the more I thought about it, I thought, well, David's probably not getting hit with stones. It's probably his men around him. Because <laughs> David is the king and he's being protected by his men. And so as David is there walking with his entourage, um, maybe he's trying to lob stones over to get at, at David. But the men are there trying, just like Secret Service, are there protecting the president or something like that. You have the men. But, the, but Shimei doesn't stop. He follows them. And just keeps cursing. And David says, this is from who? From Yahweh. So, so, so Shimei mocks David. David feels this realistic predicament. Or he feels this predic- predicament, this burden. And so going back to Psalm 3 now, when you go back to Psalm 3, he says, Yahweh, my foes increase. There are many who attack me. Many say about me, there is no salvation from him, for him in God. And at least when David is walking and Shimei is mocking, he takes that as, this is God's providence. And you know what? It was God's providence. Earlier on, David was told by God in, pun- in regard to David's sin, because David committed adultery. You remember that? David committed adultery, and he murdered the husband after committing adultery. And really, it was not just adultery. It was practically rape. It was sexual assault. He used his power to coerce a woman to sleep with, a married woman to sleep with him. And he impregnated her and then killed the husband. And God forgave David, but he told him that in your own house, there will be great trouble and someone's going to come there and, and do some of the things that Absalom did. So, so because there was that pr- prophecy of judgment, of discipline, when this happened, David's like, well, this is from who? This is from the Lord. This is from Yahweh because he told me in my sin earlier that this was going to happen. But even though David does that, David somehow, between this Shimei episode and Psalm 3, David moves from, maybe the Lord has this against me, but remember he says in, in 2 Samuel, maybe the Lord will have mercy on me, maybe the Lord will hear and, and, and return. Well, by the time you get to Psalm 3, David is now moving towards confidence. So, and actually this Psalm is a Psalm from like prayer and feeling your burden to confidence. So here in this first thing about praying realistically, David says, there are many who attack me. Many say there is no no help for him in God. What we learn from here is that David looks at his problem and he says what the problem is realistically. 1 Peter 5, 7 says, cast all your cares on him because he cares for you. Cast all your anxieties or your cares on God because God cares for you. What we learn from David here is when you have a burden and when you're feeling the pressure that's crushing you, Tell God what the pressure is. And don't, don't feel like you have to butter it up or, or deny it or ignore it. David prays realistically. So what is burdening you? Pray that to God. Pray honestly, pray realistically, pray specifically. Identify the burden in your life. For David, it's that many have now turned against him. The song, the, the song that you're familiar with goes like this. Have we trials and temptations? Is there trouble anywhere? We should never be discouraged 
take it to the Lord in prayer. Oh, what peace we often forfeit. Oh, what needless pain we bear. All because we do not carry everything to God in prayer. Pray. Pray, pray your burdens. Pray honestly, pray realistically, pray specifically, uh, uh, naming the opposition. Because you know what? The opposition is speaking. You might as well speak as well, right? The opposition is speaking lies to discourage us. God's not going to help you. God's not going to save you. Not this time. You know what you did? Do you remember what you did, David? Do you remember what you did, Christian? God's not going to save you. You deserve this. You deserve more than this. You deserve hell. And so, that, so even your mocking is going to take half-truths and misapply it. Doesn't Satan do that often? Take biblical truths, apply it halfway, and twist it to our own destruction? So the opposition speaks lies to discourage us, to distract us, to dominate us, to deny us access and communion, access to God, access to communing with God and enjoying God. So brother, sister, what trial are you facing? Like King David, pray to the Lord. Take it to the Lord in prayer. And notice here, David identifies a trial and he says it out loud. So, so say your trial out loud. What is the trial you're going through? If you've been talking to me lately, it's been um, not only my writing of my dissertation, that's been my trial, but my trial is really internally my own struggle with procrastination and laziness, sinful negligence, and being discouraged about that. So praying about it specifically and identifying it out loud. God, this trial is in my life and it's really bugging me. It's really interrupting my peace with you and with others. Pray specifically, identify it. And notice, David doesn't just pray it out loud. What does he do? We're reading Psalm 3, which means David what? Wrote it. So maybe even write it down. Write down your struggle, journal, write, write the burden out, get it out on paper, and let that lead you towards peace in God, with God. Pray it out loud. For, for the church family, pray with one another. Pray for one another. You know what? Don't just write it down. Share your burden with each other. Say it out loud, because saying it out loud gets it out there for you to think about it in light of who God is as you pray to God. If you're not a Christian, you have burdens too. You have pressures. But realize that your biggest pressure is the fact that you're facing these pressures without God. Actually, God is not even for you. He's against you, because we're all sinners. And as sinners, God is against us. We'll talk more about solutions to that in a second. But I want to say something to children before we move on to the second point. Children, sometimes it seems like you have no one who will listen to you. That's not always true, but sometimes it seems that way, that you have no one to listen to you. God will always hear you, and he'll always listen to you and come to you when you come to him in the name of the Lord Jesus. So children, when you feel alone, when you feel like there's no one to talk to, you can always talk to God. Go to God with your burdens, and go to God honestly. It makes no sense lying to God. God knows the truth anyways, right? The good news is that we can be honest with God because he knows anyways. Might as well just be straightforward with your sin, with your struggle, with your burden. Okay, so pray realistically. When, oppos when opposition weighs down on you, pray to the God who'll see you through. Pray realistically, but not only pray realistically. Secondly, pray theologically, or you could say pray thoughtfully. Pray theologically, pray thoughtfully. What does that mean? Look at verses three and four. So they say, there's no help for him in God. There's no salvation for David in God. And then the, next, the very next word in verse three is what? What's the first word? But. They say this, 
but that's not true. What's the truth? Even though they say there's no salvation for me and God, but you, Lord, you, Yahweh, you are a shield around me. You're my glory, and you're the one who lifts up my head. I cry out to you, Yahweh, and you answer me from your holy mountain. David prays thoughtfully because even though people say what they think God